the fact that uh, people are searching for this on Google is quite is quite worrying. Um, it's worrying because they're not really willing to do the work mm. <laughs> and they're looking for answers online and, and that's that's not the right way to do things. Now, Hello and welcome to Woke Finance, the podcast discussing all things finance and finance related. It's your boy Peter and I'm with my co-host, my bro Jack. And today we are going to be answering the top Googled questions on personal finance. Jax, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a test. I hope I've got all the answers. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> let's go, let's go. But without, before we uh, kick off on that, just obviously a warm shout out and welcome to whoever's listening to this, wherever you are. Do you have to think about who you can share this to, whether it's on your social media or just people you know, friends and families, man. It does us wonders and it keeps the conversation going and hopefully everyone can get on this journey that we're trying to be on our guests so um as i said for this episode we have got up a list of the most googled questions on personal finance so this includes all the things that our listeners yourselves and everyone in the world has on their mind when it comes to personal finance we're probably not going to go through all of them but we'll run through a couple some may be relevant to a few countries but the majority of these questions are pretty much relevant to any listener. So, Jax, I'm going to kick off with the first one. And, um, you know, we're not going to spend loads of time going into these questions. We might do separate episodes on these questions. We have done separate episodes on some of these questions, um, but we're just going to go into it um, and touch on it briefly. So, Jax, the first one I have for you is, uh-huh. which shares should I buy and how? <laughs> Oh, do you know what I find funny about that, 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 that question? It's just such a typical Google question. <laughs> it's, the, it's the first one where you start, even when we did our, uh, you know, our programs and workshops with young people, we're talking to them about stocks and shares and investing. Um, and straight away, like we ask, do you have any questions? And they got loads of questions. One of the first one that get asked is, which company should I put my money into? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, it's funny. Um, so, I mean, the, the answer to that is, well, there is no answer, um, you know, and I think the fact that uh, people are searching for this on Google is quite, is quite worrying. Um, it's worrying because they're not really willing to do the work mm. <laughs> and they're looking for answers online and, and that's, that's not the right way to do things. Now, when it comes to any investment, recall there is a process in place. Um, and it's very important for our listeners to know that you may go on, on social media, whether it's a podcast, whether it's YouTube, whether it's a blog, etc., and someone or, or some group of people might be talking about uh, an investment that they are interested in or they think is going to do really well. I think what's really important is to understand that that is all opinion and it's all subjective. Mm. Nobody has a crystal ball to know what companies are going to do great in the future. Everyone's making a best guess. Um, sometimes we call it a guesstimate. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to uh, predict what we think can happen in the future and invest in good quality companies that can, can, can do that. Um, but it's important to understand that someone's um, opinion can be based solely on what they are trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we talk about risk being a prominent part of investing. Uh, so, for example, Peter might be interested in investing in a company um, that has a very high risk um, of, of going down as, 
as well as going up. In other words, it might be a stock or a share that's extremely volatile. And that's okay for Peter because he has potentially a longer time frame. He can take more risk. His financial situation is more different. He's not going to be stressed uh, if it goes down because he's experienced. He's an experienced investor, for example. That's completely different from someone who has just started working um, or hasn't got any experience, doesn't earn a higher income, for example, and just wants to get started. Um, and maybe doesn't even have the ability to understand what shares are, understand businesses. It's not going to follow the business. It's not going to understand what even earnings calls on and that kind of stuff. So um, that's different. You might buy the same shares, but Peter might do better than you because he's willing to hold it for 10 years. Whereas the first 10 minutes you see it going down, you might panic. Yeah. And so, so I will say again, there is no such thing as what is the best shares. It's what's the best um, investment for you specifically specifically that's really important it's better to google um what are shares in the first place how to evaluate shares how to understand shares that's a better google um search than what share should i buy because you might be buying something that does not suit your objectives time frame and risk tolerance at all and and i and i love that bit you know um a, a lot of us and we we've all you know fallen guilty being guilty of this at some point we've been heavily influenced by what we see online namely youtube um and we might see a youtuber a so-called financial guru talking about oh this is the next best uh, stock to invest in but they don't talk at all about their own risk appetite you know they don't talk about what is their objective and their time um frame or time horizon and we're just glued to the screen and just be, and they they do you know do the this is not financial advice and put that disclaimer out there but let's be honest Jack if someone <laughs> if a youtuber spends 30 minutes so-called analyzing the stock or saying giving reasons why they feel it's going to be an amazing company and you know um give people lots of cash if they invest into it there's going to be a majority of people that will buy it purely because of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, most people watch that for, for that for that reason, right? Mm. What you find is actually the majority of um, what I would say, um, more sophisticated investors probably don't even watch YouTube. Mm. So it's it's one of those catch twenty two situations. Hmm. Deep. No, absolutely in agreement with that, man. Um, thanks for that. That was really useful, man. Um, hopefully that was useful for our listeners as well. So, Jax, the next question is. Well, we've heard of the, the S&P 500, um, which is obviously very popular, particularly in the investing world. But the next question is, which companies are in the FTSE 100? <laughs> which companies are in the FTSE 100? Again, that's an interesting search. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it is it's a good search if you're someone who is I'm considering uh, taking an investment kind of a strategy where you invest in index funds. Mm. So I'm kind of um, assuming and guessing that that's probably why the search um, took place because people want to know um, exactly what forms the FTSE 100. But yeah, you know, I think the answer will be quite clear. There is um, a list um, that exists of the largest 100 companies in the UK by, by market capitalization um, that, that are publicly traded. Um, which means you and I and Peter and everybody can actually go and buy shares um, in these companies um, because they're publicly traded. So that's what's the, in the FTSE 100, it's the largest 100 companies in the UK that are publicly traded. Um, and I guess, you know, the, the list is there for all to see. Um, I guess the person wants to type in Google, mm. the answer is much more clearer. The answer will be much more clearer than what share should I buy? Let me put it that way. 
Yeah, I know that's interesting. And just to confirm, you know, um, just the same way that me and you here in the UK can invest in the S&P 500, um, the top 500 companies um, in the US, um, anyone in the world can, in well, if, if the platform allows, can invest in the FTSE 100. Yeah, that's correct. As long as they've got a brokerage that gives them access to do so. Yes, that's yeah. true. Brilliant. Okay, fantastic. Now, um, this one's probably a bit more specific um, to UK. Um, and this is, what is an ISA or ISA? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yes, yeah, so that's uh, much more prominent in the UK. Um, I know there are, I don't, know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to call them equivalents, but yeah, there are yeah. similar um, products out there in, yeah. in the run road. Um, but an ISA here in the UK stands for an individual savings account. Um, but actually, you know, it can serve different purposes because there are different types of ISAs. Um, but to put, put it really short, an ISA, as I said, is an individual savings account, but it is a, a product. Um, it's a product that basically allows you to save and sometimes invest um, up to a certain amount every uh, tax year. And then the gains that you make from those savings if it's just savings in cash, you will probably earn interest. Um, you can earn dividends if you invest in dividend-paying stocks. And you can also make capital appreciation if you invest in financial assets um, that go up in value and then you can sell it for a capital gain. But these uh, gains, um, whether it's capital gains, interest or dividends or any other form of return, is actually um, not taxed. It's, it's not subject to tax. And that's what makes uh, ISA accounts here in the UK very attractive accounts um, and products. You can uh, manage it yourself. So once you deposit the money into the ISA account, you can use it to uh, save or invest or, or do different things with it yourself if you wanted to. But there are other options available where you can actually you know, allow, let's say, a platform or even your bank or any other financial brokerage or financial institution to manage the portfolio or manage the ISA on your behalf as well. Mm. What's great about the ISA relative to other um, kind of products that are of a similar nature, like pensions, is that with ISAs, they're quite flexible, which means you can actually draw the money out whenever you want without incurring any penalties. So that's what makes ISA accounts very attractive. Um, it's one of my favorite accounts. Um, but what's really important is to understand that there are different types of ISAs and with that, they come with their own cate cate characteristics <laughs> as well. Um, so, for example, there's a lifetime ISA, which can be used to save for your first home or used as an additional pension, for example. You've got um, cash ISAs, which were quite popular back in the days and they used to give you a decent amount of interest. They're not the most popular nowadays, but back in the days, they used to actually give you a decent amount of interest. And they were the most popular types of ISAs back in the days. Um, and then you've got my favorite type of ISA, which is a stocks and shares ISA that allows you to invest in financial assets um, and you can earn a return. So, yeah, ISAs are very, very uh, important products. Um, but we've got a whole topic on them. And um, so yeah. we can direct people to that episode. No, absolutely. Um, we do have a, an episode um, on ISAs. So please, please do check that out. And um, thank you for that, Jax. Um, got two more questions that we're going to share with you. There's loads more questions, but we're only going to go through two more. Um, the next one is, so, you know, we, we always talk about there are different um, asset classes, whether that's um, equity slash stocks or cash or cash equivalents, real estate. And we also have um, something called fixed income. 
And this question is um, related to this particular um, asset class. And this question is, what are bonds? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised that's actually a popular search on Google because we all talk about shares and stocks yeah, and that yeah. kind of stuff and real estate. But we know bonds are actually a huge part of the financial assets market. Um, it's actually yeah. huge. Right? I think it's actually huge. It is definitely huger than the equities market. It's bigger than the equities market. Yeah, I'll definitely. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. I'll definitely say bonds when it comes to, again, this is where people are, wherever people are getting the educational, so to speak. But I'll definitely say bonds is slept on. It's, it's not made <laughs> as much as exciting. But yeah. 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 And, and, and there's, there are reasons for that. Um, so like we said, bonds fit, fit under the fixed income um, category of asset classes. Um, but yeah, bond, bonds are very popular, very, very popular. Um, they are a huge market, but essentially to cut a long story short, bonds are also financial assets that essentially pay you an interest. Um, there are different types of bonds, and I'll give you some examples. The example, whenever I'm explaining bonds to people, I use equities first to explain what equities are, and then I compare it to bonds. So I always say, if Peter started the business today and he needed some funding, he can, he can come to me <laughs> and say, Jax, you're my boy, what finance call post. Um, I'm starting a business and I would like you to provide me with an investment. And I would say, well, I'm an investor, okay? Um, so, of course, I can definitely provide you with some capital, but I would like a return. So I can say the return can come in different ways. I can even give you, let's say, £10,000 as an investment, and I want a piece of your new business. I want shares in your business, right? So that's the equity element, shares. Or I can borrow Peter the money and earn interest. So I can say, Peter, uh, I'm going to borrow you the £10,000 over a 10-year period. In that 10-year period, um, we can agree that you pay me a 5% interest on that £10,000 every year. And then on the 10th year, um, I will let my £10,000 back plus that extra 5% interest on that final year as well. And then we can draw up that contract. That second contract that we draw up, that, that loan, is what we call a bond. Mm. Um, so me lend, lo- lending it to Peter, that would be a corporate bond because I'll be lending it to his business. Um, but you can also lend money to uh, the, the government. And that's why it's a huge market because we have government bonds. Government bonds are very, very popular because governments can also borrow money um, and they could pay you a very small amount of interest as well. So that's what bonds are. They're essentially just a debt product. They're basically loans uh, formed as a contract. Hmm. And if I'm assuming with when it's a government bond, is that what they may sometimes call gilts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in, in the UK, um, the reason why they're called gilts is because back in the days, um, you used to get like a certificate and it was gilt edged. Mm. Um, it had a, a like a golden thing around it, around it, which that's why you call it gilt edged. Um, and yeah, so in the in the UK especially, we call it gilt. In in America, for example, they call it treasury bills. Mm. Um, wow. So yeah, that's what nice. that's what. Nice bill. Now that's really really useful uh, to know. As I said, yeah, um, <laughs> buzz are not really getting uh, that much uh, love out here. And actually, interesting um, with uh, it, during what's going on at the moment. Um, in terms of the economic climate, we usually, when we're seeing uh, stock prices go down, historically, remind me, bonds usually kind of go against that or go in the opposite direction. But what are we seeing right now, actually? Yeah, yeah. So generally speaking, you could, people will say that bonds bring a level of diversification to a, a portfolio that would have equities already because they have like an inverse relationship. 
um, as stock prices go up or equities go up, top, uh, bonds will go down and vice versa. Um, so that's usually the case, and that's why we like to have a more diversified portfolio with both of these as the two main asset classes. It's very rare what we're experiencing right now, uh, where both go down. <laughs> so yeah, and, and that's 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 what's happening right now. Um, it's again, it's rare, but it can it can happen, especially when you're you know staring at rare recessions and and that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, that's that's what's happening. But bonds again are very popular. The reason why they're not as a um as exciting as equities is they're not as volatile. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you find is in, in portfolios, equities generally outperform. Um, and young people, generally speaking, um, have the majority of the assets in equities because they're the ones that tend to do better over the long term. Mm-hmm. Bonds are much more popular for uh portfolios that have a specific goal. So what I mean by that, for example, is um, if you're managing, let's say, a pension fund, um, pension funds have liabilities, they have an income requirement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to get that income, that kind of fixed income, which is why bonds sit under fixed income, you would rather invest in a bond that will provide you with that income consistently mm-hmm. um, over that five year, uh, that 10-year period that I use as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in equities, yes, you might receive income through dividends, but dividends don't have to be paid. Mm-hmm. Dividends don't have to be paid. Uh, companies can stop paying dividends whenever they choose to do so. Bonds are not like that. Bonds um, is a bond. <laughs> That's how going to term the bond. So you're likely to get your 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 uh, coupon, which is the actual income. Um, that doesn't mean the price of that bond or that that contract can't go down, though. That's something to put in mind. But if you're looking for a specific income requirement, then you go for a fixed income product like a bond. Bill, no, fantastic. Thank you for that. Um, Jax, we got one more question, but before we do that, we were speaking about um ISIS in the previous question, and I've just digged it up. Uh, we have done an episode on ISIS, so it's called ISIS in 2021 to 22 explained. So it just generally gives an overview of ISIS and the different types of ISA products. So for our listeners, um, particularly in the UK, or even if you're not in the UK and you just have an interest, feel free to check that out. That's episode 26, ISIS in 2021 to 22 explained. Jax, the final question that we're going to close off with, which is, as I said, one of the most Googled questions on personal finance is what is an ETF. An ETF. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? Um, first, I, w- I want to say um, something for the UK listeners of the Warp Finance Podcast. I think ETFs is uh, a term that is much more aggressively used over in the US. Mm. And it has different implications for UK investors. So I think that's something that we need to always remember. So the US um, US people talk about ETFs much more than other types of funds um, that should be considered uh, in other places like the UK. Mm. Um, so, of course, we talk about funds and we've got an episode called uh, the, the Cases for Funds and Buy the, uh, the Haystack, not yep. the Needle. So we, we do talk about the different types of funds. Um, but to cut to a long story short, a fund generally is a pooled investment. It's, it's a very well diversified investment where rather than buying shares in individual companies, you can uh, basically crowdfund um, into one specific asset with other investors 
and invest in a pool of funds, a different variety of different assets, whether it's equities, whether it's bonds, whether it's mixed. So sometimes we can have multi-asset funds um, and you get that immediate diversification, but you buy it as one asset. Um, those are what we call mutual funds. What happens is you have a fund manager who sits there and is actively trying to pick the best uh, investments to fit the goal of that mutual fund. So you do have a fund manager. And then you've got index funds, which um, are passively managed. Essentially, there is still a fund manager, but he or she's task is to just replicate an existing index. For example, the first question was, what is a FTSE 100? You can actually invest in an index fund with a fund manager specifically looks to basically pick um, the 100 companies in the FTSE and you can just track the performance of the FTSE 100. That's an index fund. So I've just spoken about mutual funds and index funds. And there is a third one which came into force um, much later, which is the ETF, which stands for an exchange traded fund. So it is still a type of a pooled investment. It is still a fund, but a key difference between an ETF and a mutual fund or an index fund is the fact that it behaves as if it's one company. It is a closed investment. It is an ETF. Um, it is exchange traded. So it is traded as on a brokerage, on an exchange. Um, it's traded as if it's one company. I always use the example of a smoothie. A smoothie has many different, uh, let's say, food flavors in there, but you still buy it as one drink. Mm for example. So that's what an ETF is. And why that's really important, especially here in the UK, and why I think UK investors and other investors should really take uh, an understanding to this, is that when you, for that reason, when you buy an ETF, you may pay brokerage fees as if you're buying shares in a company. Whereas generally speaking, a lot of uh, platforms, if you're investing in a mutual fund or index fund, you don't buy it as a share, you deposit into the fund. So you don't pay those dealing fees. And that's the mistake I've found with many, many, many people that I've personally done one-to-one -one sessions with where they've heard of ETFs, most likely been listening to some, uh, maybe an American YouTube channel or, or an American podcast, and they speak a lot about ETFs. And so they jump onto a, a platform here in the UK and then they start buying ETFs and buying them and paying these extortionate dealing fees, not knowing. And, and what's even worse is with ETFs um, and, and funds generally, the strategy is to dollar cost average which means you 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 or pound cost of the average you tend to buy on a consistent basis now if you are doing that with an etf that and, and on a platform that charges dealing fees mm. you are actually you know consistently being charged um, these fees plus sometimes even foreign exchange fees and that's not the most efficient way to do things so mm. we have a golden nugget there for any non-us investors um you know, that are listening to a lot of these podcasts and, and, and that stuff. And ETFs are great products, but if you're using a platform that charges dealing fees, be very, very careful of that. Um, but yeah, that's when ETF is, is an exchange traded fund. Um, one thing I would add is they are much more similar to index funds mm -hmm. in the sense that ETFs usually just track a specific index um, or a, a, just a group of companies that, you know, fit under a specific criteria, like, and sometimes it can even be a commodity, sometimes even called ETCs, like exchange traded commodities. Um, but yeah, they're different from index funds in the sense that they are exchange traded and not just there to be deposited into. 
And if the people want more information, I just give them a bit more of a golden nugget. The main reason why ETFs maybe differ and some of the pros and cons is the fact that it gives you that real time pricing because it behaves like a company. So the price is always changing, um, which comes with its pros and cons. Absolutely. And um, as Jack said, we have done an episode. We've done a couple of episodes talking about, um, well, investment funds as well. And um, episode 32 um, and faith three is called by the haystack not the needle the case for investment funds do make sure you check both parts of that and then also jack's mentioned the common mistakes that he's seen um, when it comes to um etfs um, and just investing in general we do have an episode episode 30 and 31 common mistakes investors make so do make sure you check that out but no jack's man um being great just going over that we we do have a few questions but we can touch on that on another occasion as well hopefully for our listeners you found that useful um and uh, yeah you've you've gained something from it because i certainly have as well and jacks i know whenever even though you're talking you're also reminding yourself of certain things as yes, well yes yes <laughs> is, is that is that revision <laughs> exactly exactly no brilliant stuff man thank you very much for that jacks for our listeners keep doing what you're doing subscribing liking commenting and all of that good stuff i remember all stay, stay woke, woke.